listen up. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, listen up. Look at another neighbor and say, listen up. Now, here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about listen up to the things that are of horizontal origin. I'm talking about listen up to the things that come from heaven. Making sure that your spirit is in tune with his spirit. Because when your spirit is in tune with his spirit, you'll be able to navigate those places that are so difficult. Can I talk to you? Can I be transparent today? I'm going to just go ahead and just say this right now. That this message has morphed so much so that I had to apologize to the production team, the first service. I said, listen, I just stopped looking at my notes because every time I looked at my notes, a, a pen came out and, and a post-it note came out. And, and it's like God was changing stuff. So I said, look, we're just going to go where God's going today. But I, I, I want to take you to John chapter 4. I want to take you to John chapter 4. Y'all ready? Turn, turn around and grab your Bibles. You ready? John chapter 4. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 42. So John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Two-thirds of y'all just dropped off. You know why? Because y'all heard we're going to be in 42 verses. 42. I, 42. We're going to be here a long time, girl. I'm just telling you. No, I'm not going to have you stand up for all 42, but can I have you stand up for a few? Is that all right? Somebody say, I'm with you. So John chapter 4, it's a familiar passage of Scripture. However, today we're going to look at it from a unique perspective. There's some stuff in John chapter 4 that I've read and I've preached and I've talked about on many occasions, but I, I haven't seen these things. And so today I want to show you what it is that God's been showing me all week in hopes that it will enlighten you and help you and inspire you and, and, and cause you to act upon what God is placing within your heart. And You see, because so often in life we, we find ourselves, Marguerite, in these places where those places become the, the zone of why. Like, why is this happening? How long will this happen? When will this be over? And we get just hung out there. And, and we, we, we try to figure things out. We try to break out. We try to break through. And we just seem to be stuck there. And while we're stuck there, so many times we're just listening to other voices. Sometimes we miss God's voice. Sometimes our voice is so loud we can't even hear God's voice. Sometimes we've allowed other voices to be so loud that we miss God's voice. And I think you'll see that that's kind of happening in John chapter 4. So let me just read a few verses with you. John chapter 4, beginning in, in verse 1. I'm going to read some, and then I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to let you be seated in just a second. Somebody say, I'm with you. So here's what happens in John chapter 4, John's gospel. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Hold on a second. Now he had to go through Samaria. Let me just stop that right there. I need you to circle that. Now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to. He had. There was something that was compelling Christ to go there. There was something that was drawing Christ. Something that was forcing Christ to go out of the way. He had to go out of the way. That something was a someone and that someone was the Holy Spirit. Leading him, guiding him, pulling him, and directing him. Even though it was out of the direction that he was going in, there was a divine connection. 
It was not the shortest route to where he was going. However, it was the route that the Holy Spirit was sending him on. And sometimes where God sends us and where God leads us doesn't necessarily make sense. Sometimes God doesn't richly send us on the shortest route to get to the destination that we're going to. Sometimes he takes us on the longer journey. Why? Because in the longer journey, he's preparing us for the destination that we will arrive at. In fact, it worked that way for the Israelites when they were freed from Egypt. Go back and study. You'll see that God took them out of Egypt and it says this, that he intentionally took them on the longer route. Why? Because they were not prepared for the battle that would take place on the shorter route. I don't know who needs to hear this, but somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes you're looking for a place called then, and you don't need to overlook the place that God has planted you now. Sometimes you're looking for, for when, and you don't need to overlook what the voice of God is speaking into your life right now. Some of you are looking for there when you need to be concerned about here. So there's a ton of stuff that's happening. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, listen up. Look at another neighbor and say, listen up. And then before I read the other 35 or 40 verses, I'm going to let you be seated. Somebody say amen. amen. I can't believe y'all said amen. Today. I'm just saying. But stuff that's happening next, if you don't understand, which you probably won't, the historical context, the social construct, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of question. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't necessarily make sense if you were to try to figure it out in the flesh. It says in verse 5, it says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It, it was about noon. Hold on a second. Jesus was tired. Jesus is the one who gives rest, but yet Jesus was tired. Ooh. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Here's the creator of the universe who needs help with something. Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God, who is it is that asks you for a drink, you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with from the well and it is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself and as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone drinks this water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, then you need to give me some of this water so that I won't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming here to draw this water from this well. He told her, go and call all of, call your husband and come back. Verse 17, she said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right. When you say you have no husband, in fact, you have had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. You've been married five times and now you shacked up with the sixth. 
I know I'm crazy. But Jesus said it. But there was a reason. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, I, I just do, do not suggest any of you husbands to call your white woman. I'm not real sure that's going to work out to your benefit. Somebody say amen. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Whew. Taking her attention back to when God was standing before Moses and God said, I am. Just then the disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with the woman. What? But no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They, have, they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> questions a lot of this not making sense some cultural things some social constructs Samaritan Jew Jesus had to a lot of stuff that's I mean the disciples are like what's going on why are we here why is he talking to her why did we come in this direction who gave him food I don't understand it. the woman who's over here she's like are you are you a prophet I mean questions all throughout this passage of scripture why because they don't seem to make sense and sometimes we're trying to figure out in the flesh what we can only comprehend in the spirit this woman's like are you a prophet have you been following me? How do you know all of this stuff about me? Who is it that told you this stuff? It's like sometimes I'll preach a message. And when I'm putting together a message, I, I, I know that when God is helping me construct this message, that there's something in the message for everyone. But there's also like this little nugget that I may not even be aware of, but this little nugget that's in that message that's, not for everyone, but for someone specific. Sometimes after, after church, somebody will come up to me and say, man, were you up at my house this week? You all up in my business. Were you reading my mail this week? Because I'm just telling you, you were saying some stuff that just was like, me and my wife, we were talking about it last night. And I'm just wondering, you got my house bugged. I'm just trying to say, I mean, were you outside the window listening? Because we were arguing about this very subject. It just looked like you were directing it towards me. I felt like you were even looking at me. We were arguing on the way into church about this stuff. And now you're preaching about this stuff. I mean, come on, come on. Tell me what's happening. What's going on? What's happening in that scenario, in that situation is this. 
you've gotten to a place in life, a specific place, a specific space that you can't fight through, that you can't get through, that you can't break through. And the word that you just heard is very specific to that space and to that place that you are in. You just heard something, not from my voice, but from God's voice. You just heard something that will help you in that situation. Something that the Holy Spirit dropped into your spirit in hopes that you would take that and not just hear it on Sunday, but live it on Monday. But I need you to hear this because, listen, just because this woman's situation is not your situation. You're not living in the same situation that she's living in. Yes, she's, she's been married five times, broken relationships, social constructs, an outcast, a Samaritan. He's a Jew. All of this stuff that's happening, a situation that is so dynamic, that may not be your situation. But her answer is your answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. Because what is so cool about John's gospel, if you'll study John's gospel from, from, from start to finish, what you will learn is John's gospel is here to show us that, that Christ is divine. That he's, he is God. In fact, he's showing us that, that, that he's an ever-present help in a time of need. If you go throughout John's gospel, you'll see all of these different times where, where Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy that God is an ever-present help in a time of need. Here is John's gospel showing us that through the brokenness of humanity, it exposes the beauty of Christ. John's gospel is paying close attention to all of the external dynamics that are happening here. It's a Samaritan woman. She's been married five times. She's shacked up with the sixth right now. There's brokenness in her life. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. We're in a place that we shouldn't be in, but, but Jesus had to go. What's happening here is all of this stuff that looks like, you know, it's just swirling out of control and you don't fully understand it on the outside. But here is Jesus right here, not really concerned about all of the external things that are happening on the outside because he's speaking a word into what's happening in her on the inside. He's now beginning to give to her something that's going to change the dynamic of her life. She's been listening to all of these voices, including her own, about how broken she is, but now Jesus is beginning to speak to that brokenness. Jesus is beginning to, to speak right into the problem, right into the difficulty. John is showing us all of this stuff. In fact, John's gospel even starts out this way. This is what is so unique to me. If you go back and you read the very first chapter of, uh, of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made by Him, and nothing that has been made was made without Him, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and the Word had a name, and His name is Jesus. Then came Jesus. Jesus had to because this woman was broken. Then came Jesus. Man, y'all are hard. This is a hard crowd right here. I'm just saying it is because I, I don't know. But when, when I've found myself in a situation, certainly not that situation, but other situations, and then came Jesus, oh, Lord, have mercy. If you've ever had a then came Jesus moment, you ought to be putting your hands together and thanking God because he showed up when you least expected it. You didn't know what to do and everybody else had been talking about you, pointing at you, saying you'll never make it, but then came Jesus. You see, let me tell you something. This woman had a situation. Sometimes God will use situations to deal with the issues in your life. 
the situation and the issue are two different things. You see, you can work your way through a situation. You can be like, I got to get through this situation. I got to get through it. I mean, and you can get through the situation. But once you get through the situation and you get on the other side of the situation, you recreate the situation. Why? Because you didn't deal with the issue that brought about the situation in the first place. So the woman comes to the well at a time that was really uncommon, at a time that was unique. She's been listening to all of these other voices, her own voice, all of these loud voices. You're a Samaritan. You're divorced five times. You've got broken relationships, probably kids, probably this, probably that, all of this stuff. But then it says, but Jesus had to. Thank you, Sam. Let me give you some more context. The Pharisees in this day and age had put together these social constructs that they had to live by, supposed to live by. Jews couldn't associate with Samaritans. You couldn't talk if you were a man with a, a woman in public. And if you were a rabbi, which Jesus was considered to be a rabbi, you certainly wouldn't talk to a Samaritan woman, certainly not a broken Samaritan woman, and you certainly would not ask for help from a broken Samaritan woman. All of this stuff doesn't necessarily make sense. Here they are standing at Jacob's well. Here, here, is, here is this stuff that if you're looking at it from a fleshly perspective, it, it's tough to make sense of it, especially if you know the historical context of, of all of this. But here is Jesus. He had to. And it says, think about this. It says that he was weary from the travel. Here is the one who gives rest, but yet he's tired. Here is the one who is righteous, but yet he breaks man's traditions here is the messiah but yet he's talking to the samaritan woman oh here is the one who created everything but yet he's asking for help to get water why because of verse four verse four says he had to he had to Everyone else that's involved in this story saw this woman for her brokenness. Jesus saw the need and addressed the need. I wrote this down. What Jesus saw as a need that had to be met, others saw as a place of judgment or cultural bias. Grab that. Let me say it again. What Jesus saw as a need that had to be met others saw as a place of judgment or cultural bias. Had Jesus responded to her the way everyone else had responded to her for her entire life, or at least for the last five marriages, she would have missed her breakthrough. Sometimes we cannot figure out in the flesh what we can only comprehend in the spirit. Jesus had to. It's cultural dynamics that are happening. So Jesus meets with this woman at an uncommon place here at, at, at Jacob's well. Here is this woman that, you know, we're talking about living water. We're talking about five divorces. We're talking about why is Jesus here? Why did he go this way? The disciples want to know, did he have something to eat? We missed something here. Something's going on. Why in the world is he talking to her? All of these different things that are, uh, that are happening. And the woman is here. Here's what I love. The woman comes to the well to get water to drink. 
Here's what's ironic. The woman comes to the well to get water to drink. Jesus talks to her about living water, and all the while she's drowning in her problems. Think about that. Only God in his word. She comes to the well to get water. Here is the living water, but she's drowning. Anybody in here ever been drowning in your problems? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like you fix one problem over here, and as you're fixing this problem over here, you plug the leak, and you're like, whoo, that's good. And when you turn around, you're standing in waist-deep water. And then you got something over here, and you're trying to fix this something over here, and you turn back around, and there's something over here. Oh, then you come over here, and you fix this, and you, you got this problem over here, and you fix this. And then that night, you can't sleep because you realize you didn't fix that problem right. And then all of a sudden, your kid's got a problem over here. And when you go to try to fix that problem, you realize, oh, hold on a second. I got an occupational problem because I just found out that they're going to make some cuts here on my job. And then you, you fix this problem. Then you realize, hold on a second, that job's not making me enough money to pay this bill. It's just a lot. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's just a lot. You with me? And sometimes you just, you feel like you're drowning. You feel like there's all of this stuff. And so that's why she came at noon. She came at the most uncommon time so that she didn't have to keep putting up with what other people were saying. She didn't want to keep putting up with what people were calling her. She didn't want to have to listen to all of this stuff. But Jesus had to. She thought she was coming at a time that she had chosen. What she didn't know is that the Holy Spirit had already orchestrated all of this. Jesus had to because the Holy Spirit was prompting him. She came at noon because the Holy Spirit was leading her. She didn't even know it. I got to show you something, though, in verses 9 and 10. Go to verses 9 and 10. Put it up for me. First time, listen. Seen this before, but really never noticed it. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Go to verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asked you for a drink. Hold on a second. I need you to circle that in your Bibles. If you knew the gift, the gift, the gift, the gift of, of God. Man, that jumped off the pages at me. If you knew the gift gift how many of us love gifts you just you love you love you, everybody in here likes to receive a gift how many of you like to give gifts you, you just like to give gifts all y'all spiritual people your hands went up like i love to give you know i love it man i just love it the gift hold on a second the gift i want to take some liberty here because i know what jesus was saying jesus was saying that I'm the gift to humanity. We know he's the gift to humanity because John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He is the gift. However, the gift brings a gift. What gift is Jesus giving us in humanity? Think about that with me because now as you're looking at this story and you're seeing how it unfolds, it's easy in the flesh to miss what's really happening here, especially in real time. 
We're reading this story in retrospect, but as this story is unfolding in real time, no one knows and understands why in the world Jesus is here. The disciples don't, this lady don't, everybody there doesn't understand this. But what you're missing and what they were missing is one historical fact. And that is that this is the same location that Joshua took the people of Israel and he stood right there at Jacob's well and he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he made a covenant between God himself Israel and now here is Jesus again right back in the same place they're missing that because they're focused on oh who she thinks she is watch Jesus even talking to her did he get some food what's going on here but John tells us she says why are you talking to me the disciples are like why are you talking to her The gift that Jesus brings is the gift of grace. He's saying grace is standing right in front of him. John and everyone else has been highlighting all of our issues, but here's Jesus. He's highlighting grace. Can I tell you something? If you don't understand what God's grace is and what God's grace can do in your life, you will miss what God can and will do in your life. If you don't understand what God's grace is, you will miss what God's grace is capable of. You see, sometimes, James, I think we try to figure out in the flesh what we can only comprehend in the spirit. And here she is. She's heard all of these other voices of whatever those voices were, whoever those voices were, whatever they were saying. She's heard all of those voices for years. And here is is Jesus standing in front of her. All of these other voices have been talking about her brokenness, but Jesus is speaking to her brokenness. And I wrote this down, and I think you need this today. Jesus is standing in front of her. He said, if you only knew the gift that's in front of you. Remember, Jesus had to. John has already outlined all of the difficulties in her life. Then came grace. I need you to hear this. You have the grace for where you are and what you're going through. Somebody say, I have the grace. I have grace. grace. Somebody say, I have grace. You have the grace for where you are and what you're going through. You have it. How do I I know? Let, let Let me give you this other note. I don't even think this is in your notes. Here's the truth. The truth is his gift of grace is greater than the facts of your situation. I need you to grab this. The gift of his grace is greater than the facts of your situation. Go to verse... I think it's verse 18. I'm going to show you this. Verse 18. Here's what Jesus says. He says, the fact is, you have had five husbands. He's giving her the facts. The fact is, you've had five husbands. The fact is, you're broken. The fact is, you've got all these problems. The fact is, you've got this relational difficulty. The fact is, you've got these financial difficulties. The fact is, you're sick. The fact is, your kids are getting on your nerves. The fact is, you you don't have a job. The fact is, you're trying to find a house to rent because the house that you're renting now, they're asking you to leave because they want to sell. The fact is, listen, there's a lot of facts in our lives. But you've got to understand that the gift of his grace is greater than any fact that is happening in your life. Because the gift of his grace is the truth. The gift of his grace is the truth. I need somebody to hear this. You've got grace. Somebody say, I got grace for it. 
And if you've got grace for it, you need to stop complaining about it. You need to stop whining about it. You need to stop talking about it. You need to stop tweeting about it. You need to stop talking to anyone who will listen about it so that you can hear the voice of God and what he's got to say about it. You may not understand exactly where you are, but what you need to know is that his grace is more than enough in your moment of weakness. You may not be able to figure it out on your own, but you've got to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight because his grace is the gift that's more than enough and so many times we've listened to all of these other voices and they come in a concert and therefore we miss his voice we miss his voice and our spirits are are disconnected from him because they're so connected to this jump that we've heard We wonder why we can't make it through. We wonder why we're missing something. We wonder why these things are happening in our lives. And then what ends up happening is we'll start to operate in the flesh. When we start to operate in the flesh because we can't figure things out, then we become selfish. We become rude. We become stingy. We become angry. Because we're not operating according to the fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) We're operating according to the fruits of the flesh. Hmm. I I need you to hang here with me for a minute so that you you understand. It's easy for us to get fleshly. You know what I'm talking about? It's just easy. I mean, I I can just throw one sentence. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. It's easy to get fleshly. I mean, you can leave church and just be like on a spiritual high like, woo. I'm going to be doing all kinds of stuff. I can almost walk on water. <laughs> Somebody cuts you in the drive through line at Taco Bell. Mm. <laughs> you rolling your sleeves up. You just left church. You just got through praising him. You just got through saying, oh, yeah, Jesus is good. The Holy Spirit is in me. It's easy for us to, especially easy when we get in these places that we don't understand. We can't figure out because we can't figure it out, we're, we're angry at what's happening rather than being patient in the happenings. We lose control rather than having self-control. We're stingy rather than being generous. We're judgmental rather than being kind. We're unforgiving rather than being loving. Y'all don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. So all of this stuff is happening, but Jesus had to, because everybody else is talking about her brokenness, but Jesus is speaking to her, 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 her brokenness. And I, I, I need you to grab this. Here is Jesus in an uncommon place at an uncommon time, talking to an uncommon person, about an uncommon grace. Here he is pouring out this gift of grace. Five marriages, living water, difficulties. Who is she? Who is he? Why is he doing that? Why is he talking? All of this stuff. And all he did was come to give her a word. Here is the word giving her a word. The same word that was present when all of creation was spoken into existence is the same word that is speaking healing into her life in this moment. And she could miss it. 
And if she missed it, her life would never be changed. Hold on a second. I just wonder sometimes if it's not that we don't miss, we miss God's voice, not because we don't understand, but because we're too distracted. What if, what if she'd have like come to the well that day and she had some data to burn? Y'all know what I'm saying? She just had some data to burn and Jesus is like, hey, can I have some? Ooh. Keep your distance, dude. I'm over here. I mean, what if she had so many other things on her mind that day, distracted by this or distracted by that or, or, or all of this other stuff that's, that's happening, that she, she missed the very thing that, that God was trying. Listen, the thing that I'm trying to say is this. We're so good with packing stuff into places and spaces in our lives. And when we pack those things into those spaces and places, heaven's interaction with you seems inconvenient I need I'm going to I don't know who said I'm I don't break man I'm telling you I'm preaching think about that we've packed so much stuff into our schedules into our calendars into this into that thinking that oh man if I do this then I'm gonna have this reward if I do this then this is going to happen if I do this then all of this and then what ends up happening all you did was just pack stuff into spaces and places and then you you anytime that God is trying to speak to you so that you can hear his voice it seems like an inconvenience Jesus had to. Jesus had to. And for everybody else that was there, it seemed like an inconvenience. But Jesus had to. So I, I, I was thinking just in a simplistic form, how can you stay connected to the Spirit of God? You cannot stay connected to the Spirit of God if you're not connected to His Word. You can't. You cannot have the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you if you're not staying connected to his word. I'm not telling you that he won't on occasion. I'm just telling you that when you get into his word, the more you are in his word, the more you understand his word, the more you hear his voice. Are, are you with me? What I'm trying to say is it, you cannot, you, you, it's so tough for your spirit to be led by his. You can't just hear a word on a sermon on Sunday. And then not live it on Monday. You can't do it. Let me illustrate something for you. So, years ago, when can, can I just be transparent with you? Not so much anymore as, as years ago. This man, I, I just it was so stressful putting together a message. I mean, it was just stressful. You finish up a sermon on, on, on Sunday. If you've ever been in the ministry, you, you understand this. You finish up a sermon on Sunday, and then you're already thinking about the following Sunday. And then the following Sunday, this, this Sunday could be great. You know, you may think it's great, and I may think it's not great. I may think I missed the mark, and you may think it's wonderful. But yet then all of a sudden, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if it was good, then I need to next week outperform what happened last week. And then you have something called performance anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Stay here with me. Don't go there. Stay here with me. 
So, I mean, really, it's just stressed me out. It stressed me out because I'm just trying to figure out, okay, I'm trying to figure, because listen, I'm going to be honest with you, y'all have some high expectations. It's tough to entertain, y'all. It's done. I mean, you, you want me to, to, you want me to be like, you want me to be profound, but yet funny. You want me to be intellectual, but yet also inspirational. You want me to be like God's mouthpiece, but at the same time, you want me to keep it real. You, you, you want me to teach, but you also want me to preach. You, 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 you want me to be wise enough, but yet also youthful enough. Man, that's a lot of stress. Until I realized that, hold on a second. I, I finally bought into what God's word says, where it says, His word will not return void. You know what that means? <laughs> that, that means that I can give you His word, and each and every one of you will hear something from His word that you need. That's why some of y'all come out after a Sunday and you say, man, I loved it when you said this, 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 and I'm like, man, praise the Lord. I'm high-fiving you. And when you walk off, I'm like, I didn't say That's just what you heard. That's how the Holy Spirit spoke to you. I'm saying all that to say, It applies to not just messages, it applies to your life. How do I say this? Why would you want to try to parent in your own ability, in your own knowledge, in your own know-how? Why not parent being led by the Spirit, being led by God? Because can I tell you something? If you're trying to parent a bunch of knuckleheads, and you're trying to do it in your own wisdom, your own accord, your own strength. They, they're gonna, you're going to come home one day after you've had a, a, a bad day at work and you're just worn out and you're just, you're just done with the day. But your kids over here are going to be sinking. And you're not going to have the energy or the knowledge or the know-how to even deal with it because, man, you're relying on your own ability, your own strength, and your own know-how. You see, when you begin to stay in tune with God's Spirit, it, you, I'm not saying every day is going to be great because it will not. I am just telling you that God will be with you wherever it is that you're going and whatever it is that you're going through. That's what you need to understand about the gift of God's grace. That's why you got to listen. Somebody say, listen up. All right, all right, all right. I got, I got to close. I'm gonna close now. I'm gonna close. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Everybody ready? Okay. They're not even looking at me, but I know they're ready. You, don't try to tackle the questions of life without the direction of His Spirit. Don't, 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 don't try to do that. Because and this is another message. I don't have time for it today, but I wish I did. Sometimes it's not that we don't understand. Sometimes we're just too busy. The reason why we miss the voice of God is because we're too busy trying to get our own water. 
<laughs> we're too busy trying to get our own promotion. We're too busy trying to get our own breakthrough. We're too busy trying to get all, all. We've done all of this stuff, put it all in our calendar in hopes that it's going to pay off like this. And we've never, ever once brought God into it. So look what happens. Go to verse 39. It says this. Many of the Samaritans, go ahead and stand up on your feet. That'll help me close. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. Verse 40. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many, many, somebody say many, many more became believers. Verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus had to. <laughs> is it coming together for you? Jesus had to. It was not just about this woman. It was about many who lived in a village. I, I need you to understand something. God will use the, the life's bruises to bring people to a saving knowledge of who he is. God, let me say it again. God will use your bruises because inside of your bruises, there's a message. Inside of your bruises, there's a testimony. Inside of your difficulties, there is something that God wants to do. And God will use those bruises in your life to bring others to a saving knowledge of who he is. Is. Think about this with me. It says Jesus had to. Jesus had to. When God begins to do something in your life, he will not only elevate you, but he will cause others to find out who he is through you. You see, the Bible says that an entire village came to know Jesus Christ. This same people that did not want to have anything to do with this woman now wants everything that this woman has. I need somebody to listen up up in this place. I need you to understand what it is that God is trying to do in your life. I need your heart to be connected to his heart because God is about to open up the windows of heaven on your behalf and you're going to walk into the destiny that God has for you.